0: Okay, well, great to see you all. Um, this seems a bit loud and boomy, but I'm sure it will adjust uh, in time. Uh, and my name is Phil, by the way. If we haven't met, uh, I'm one of the leaders here uh, with Nick and Andy. Uh, yeah, an elder here indeed. Um, Andy, who is, is away on a beach somewhere in Cape Town. And Nick is obviously much more spiritual than I am, because... Uh, because I am jealous. Uh, Unquestionably jealous. There's nothing I can do about it. Um, Isn't it great? I love Happy New Year to you all. Hope you had a great uh, holiday, if Mm -hmm. I haven't had a chance to speak to you until now. Um, And I hope you had a great New Year and a great Christmas. I love it when you meet people for the first time after uh, Christmas, because very often you'll find that they're wearing uh, some of their presents, and uh, you can always spot it. I love, I love Nick's scarf, you know, it's almost like some kind of bishop, <laughs> some kind of C bishop. This scarf just remaining on at all times, I love it. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> Come on Nick, don't be like that. But you see, it, you will see absolutely nothing, no new <laughs> item of clothing whatsoever on me. I did get some nice new jumpers though, but uh, not wearing them today. Um, but obviously some things do change, uh, dramatically, <laughs> in fact. Just stand up, Johnny McAdam. <laughs> Thank you. Good grief! If you if you've no, if you didn't know uh, if you haven't met Johnny before, Johnny used to have dreads down to his backside, and now look at him! Extra- what an extraordinary transformation has taken place over the holidays. It's, uh, it's fantastic. Um, you look great, Johnny. What I love is that he's grown up his facial hair, almost in compensation. <laughs> I wonder if we'll see some dreadlocks developing <laughs> from the chin down <laughs> as the year progresses. What a lovely idea. <laughs> okay, um, New Year, eh? New Year um, It's one of these kind of markers, isn't it, that, that kind of leads us to think about fundamental things. Um, kind of uh, leads us to think about the core things in our life, the foundations uh, that we're standing on, the kind of the great things that we're hanging our life upon. Uh, And that's what I want to uh, speak to you uh, about this morning. Some people uh, love New Year, some people don't like it. And I think sometimes uh, it's because of this fact that at New Year, it is a time for being maybe confronted by the fundamentals. What in the end is life about? What are the fundamentals that we're living for? Uh, Leslie Newbigin, who aside from being a theologian, has one of the greatest names in the history of the world. <laughs> uh, he was asked if he was optimistic or pessimistic about a certain situation. And he said this, which is a kind of theologian's answer. He said, I am neither optimistic nor pessimistic, but Jesus Christ is risen. <laughs> I love that. Get on him. Uh, great, Leslie. Um, what did he mean? Well, we're going to look at uh, a section of, of Scripture, we're gonna, and we're going to talk about some fundamental things. Fundamental things for our lives as individuals but also fundamental things for what we are going for as, as Hope Church. You might be here for the first time. You might be thinking, you know, this is a slightly interesting setup here in this canteen. Uh, what is Hope Church all about and what are we going for? Well, in large part, what we're talking about today is what we are all about um, individually and collectively. We're in John, uh, the book of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in the New Testament, and we're in chapter 15. If you have a Bible, if you don't, don't worry, because I am going to read it out for you. I tell you what, why don't we pray? That seems like a good way to begin before we do anything else. Father, I thank you, Lord, for just being part of your family. God, I thank you for being part of of church and being able to worship you alongside friends, and share our lives with these people, God, and just be community together, and God, when we, when we have a couple of weeks off, we really feel it. We feel what we have here, the love, and the, the friendship, and the community, and God, I want to thank you so much for what you're doing among us, and for how you're joining hearts together, and God, I want to thank you for all the promise of the new year. Jesus, that you have good plans for us individually and good plans for us as a church and good plans actually for this city and for all the people that we know. And God, we just say amen to all of it. We want all that you've got for us this year. And uh, thank you, Jesus, that you are risen. And that is the central fact. That changes our whole lives. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, um, John, uh, chapter fifteen. I'm going to read from verse one. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. Um, hugely significant um, section of the New Testament because this is G- these are Jesus's among Jesus's last words to his disciples before he goes to the cross. Um, And uh, very often in life, uh, last words are significant, and it was true also for Jesus. These are among the most important things that uh, he said. And as Jesus was and is God, these are indeed among the most important words ever uttered by anyone at any time ever in the history of the world. (laughs) What an amazing thought. (laughs) Now read to you by Philip Ford. John chapter 15. He didn't read it in a Scottish... It's funny, isn't it, when you read things... You just put your own accent in... You know, you just think... Jesus didn't sound anything like me... At all. Just a thought. (laughs) (laughs) I am the true vine... Jesus said... And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me... That does not bear fruit... He takes away... And every branch that does bear fruit... He prunes... That it may bear more fruit. Already you, that's his disciples who he was with, are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in me, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown in the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Okay, abide. That's an interesting word. You don't hear it much these days. Um, We used to sing uh, a song when I was in the uh, boys' brigade. Uh, Growing up in the south side of Glasgow, we used to sing a song, a hymn at the end of every uh, evening, every Friday evening, abide with me. And I have to say, as a young man, I had absolutely no idea what it meant. Uh, But it seemed like a kind of, you know, a worthy thing to sing at the end while you're dressed in your uniform, Uh, abide with me, fast falls the eventide. Uh, But this passage It's about this word, abide. It's about abiding. So we need to have a good grasp of what it means to abide. The Greek word, I tell you what, 2012, I'm attempting Greek. It's going to be exciting. The Greek word used is meno. Just looking at Neil Petrie, he's giving me the nods. The Greek, word, the Greek word is meno, uh, which means various things. Obviously, uh, Greek uh, has a, is a language that has different connotations. There are different connotations attached to these words which don't always come through in English. To remain is the heart of abiding, um, to not depart from, to continue to be present, to be held, to be kept continually, to wait even for someone. It's the word that's used when Mary goes to visit um, her cousin Elizabeth before she gives birth uh, to Jesus. Uh, The word used is that Mary goes to and abides in Elizabeth's house. Interestingly, when Jesus meets uh, Zacchaeus, uh, that story of that little guy, probably about the same height as me, uh, who climbed the tree to see Jesus. And Jesus comes up to the tree and he says to him, Zacchaeus, as the song goes, I don't know why I'm referring a lot to my childhood this morning, but as the song goes, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm coming to your house for tea. And actually what the Greek says is, today I'm going to abide with you. Today I am going To remain with you. I'm going to stay with you. We might say. I don't know if they say that in every part of, uh, of the country. Where do you stay? As in where do you live? Where do you stay? Staying is the heart of abiding. And let me ask you that this morning. Where is it that you stay? Jesus is saying abide in me where is the place that your heart rests where is the place that it abides things can can change and happen in life troubles can come and go good times can can be enjoyed and then disappear but where is the place Where your heart rests? Where is the place that it abides? Come rain or shine, where do you stay? Where is it where you feel that sense of peace, that sense of being at home? Jesus is saying, abide in me. He's saying really that this is what Christianity is all about abiding in him, finding your heart's home in him. He, as the psalm says, is to be our rock. He's to be our fortress and our deliverer, the place in whom we take refuge. He is our shield, our salvation, our stronghold. This is Jesus. And this is what it means to abide in him. Interestingly, John the Baptist's description of Jesus is that he is the one on whom you will see the Spirit descend and remain. And the word is the same, and abide. Jesus was the one who the Spirit abided, who made the Spirit made his home in. It reminds me, in a sense, this idea of abiding, of, uh, of Paul's phrase in Philippians when he said this, for me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. Life is summed up in this, Christ. I guess that must mean seeing Jesus everywhere. I guess it must mean that when you're at home, you see Jesus in your relationship with your wife or your husband. It must mean seeing Jesus in the way you speak and the way you parent your kids It must mean seeing Jesus in the people that you work with or study alongside. The the desk, the guy sitting next to you at work, the, the guy who teaches in the room beside me at school, seeing Jesus in these people, to have your whole life abiding in Him. That must mean That must be what Paul means when he says, to me, to live, is Christ. Now this is obviously true, objectively speaking, for all believers. Objectively, Paul says that you are in Christ. Your position is in Him. Your lives are hidden in Christ, whether we feel it or not, whether we get out of bed the right side or not, whether we have a good day or not, whether it rains or not, whether the guy who leads the church is lying on a beach in South Africa (laughs) or not. Objectively, gloriously objectively, you are in Christ. Your life, your life is hidden in His. He is your salvation and your stronghold and your refuge and your fortress and your deliverer. But in the context of these verses, where Jesus is talking about the coming of the Spirit, where the disciples, where we get to experience the reality of God abiding in us. I think this is also, this word abiding must also mean that we grow in a relationship where we get to experience in ever-increasing measure what it means to be in Christ. And that is what we are about. We're about more than just objective truth. We're about the experience of God, of living and dwelling in God. Thank you. Now, it's interesting when we look at these verses that Jesus says different things about the nature of abiding. He says, abide in me, and I in you, in verse 4. He says in verse 7, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. And so there's a sense that abiding in him is to do with his words abiding in you. And then there's a bit later on where he says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in In my love. You know, there's a lot of talk in our kind of church, um, charismatic uh, church, of word and spirit. Um, That's been a kind of phrase that's been bandied around over the last uh, few decades um, word and spirit. But actually, biblically, you never hear that because word and spirit are the same thing. (laughs) in the Bible, they're the same thing. It's not an option to be a word person or to be a spirit person. You are either a word and spirit. You are, in fact, I don't even like saying that phrase because they're indivisible. They're inseparable. And what Jesus is talking about is the indwelling of the spirit and in that, that we will abide in his words. And that we will abide in his love. It's both word and spirit together, inseparable. This is abiding in him. It's communing with the Father to the same extent. Listen, remarkably, as As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in in my love. What is being offered by Jesus, through Jesus, is the same communion, the same level of intimacy and relationship with the Father that he has. And friends, it's time to believe him. It's time to believe this stuff. It's time to believe that in your life, as a Christian, you can have the same intimate relationship with your Father in heaven that Jesus has. It's time for us to stop just reading over these verses. But it's time for us to dwell on them and make it a reality in our life. It means believing, abiding in Jesus, must mean that we believe, we believe Him. We believe what He says about us. We submit to His authority and His commands. The effects, what are the effects then? If that is abiding... What are the effects of this abiding? Well, I want to say that in this passage, Jesus, he kind of touches on this, but that in that abiding in Christ, we will really fully and finally discover who we are. Jesus said, I am the true vine. That is a strange thing for someone to say. Don't hear that often. (laughs) (laughs) I am the true vine. Where did he get that from? Well, listen. In the Old Testament, the vine was a metaphor for Israel, God's people. There's an amazing psalm, Psalm 80, which says this. You, that is God, brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars and with its branches. You sent out its branches to the sea, and to the sh- its shoots to the river. And then this, why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit. The boar from the forest ravages it and all that move in the field feed in it. Turn again, O Lord of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine, the stock that you planted. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Later in that same psalm, It says this Have regard for the stock that you planted and for the son whom you made strong for yourself. They have burned it with fire, they have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your face. But let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you have made strong for yourself. Jesus is saying to his disciples that he is Israel. He is the new Israel. He is the true Israel. He is the one who is fulfilling what Israel never did in the Old Testament, in the power of the Spirit. He's fulfilling the requirements of the law, not through legalism, but through the power of the Spirit. Jesus is this perfect son that God made strong for himself. And he is offering us that same identity, that same relationship with the Father, to be sons that God tends, to be sons that God takes care of, To be sons that God helps to grow and make strong, to raise up, to be the son of the Father's right hand, to be the one, to be people who have the Father's face shining upon us. This is what Jesus is saying we are. Nothing less than sons and daughters who are supposed to sit in the presence of our Father and be made strong and be raised up by His power and His care for us. We need to believe this. Let me ask you do you really believe this? Do you believe that this is who you are? I'll tell you what, I believe it sometimes. And sometimes I forget. And when I do, my wife generally knows about it. But listen, Jesus is offering us not just forgiveness, but an identity, a new identity as a child of God sitting in the presence of a Father who will care for us and tend us and mature us and grow us into true sons. Cause that is the promise in verse two of what we, we read. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that he that does bear fruit he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And listen, that is the testimony of my life and I'm sure of many others. There are seasons where God prunes us. There are seasons of difficulty. There are seasons of trial. And I dare say in 2012, difficult things may happen to you. They may happen to me this is reality. We're not living in some kind of escapist philosophy. The reality is that life can sometimes be difficult. And Jesus is making that clear. But what he's saying is when you are in the middle of difficulty, and you might even be today, do not forget that he is your father. Do not forget that you are a child of God. Do not forget that this ultimately is his work. And he is bringing about fruit in your life. That's the message of Hebrews 12. When the author writes to, people, to Christians who are suffering and says this. Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you As sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved of him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Listen, when we go through difficulty, if you're going through difficulty now, let me say this to you Have you forgotten? The exhortation that addresses you as a son. He loves you. He's not abandoned you. He will not abandon you. But he'll bring you through. You see, discipline is different from punishment. Punishment, the punishment for all our mistakes has already been paid. It was poured out on Jesus. And there is now no more left for you. There's no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. There's no judgment. But there is discipline. Because God wants to make you fruitful because you're His Son and He loves you. Good fathers... That, pass, that passage in Hebrews goes on, discipline their kids. Yeah. They don't let them away with murder. Do they? No. Some, some parents have just got that wild look in their eye. <laughs> no. <laughs> they know what I'm talking about. Listen, good parents, they discipline their kids. Why? Because they love them and they want them to be fruitful in their lives. They want them to grow up and become great people who change this world for the better. Listen, God your Father is like that and more. He wants you to be fruitful and He will discipline you. And when you're in difficulty, we don't, we can't, we, we don't have the ability to, to say, God, you've abandoned me. Where, where are you? No, 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 no. God... He loves you, he's with you, he's walking, he's taking you through something so that you can trust him more. Jesus said the greatest commandment is that you'll love the Lord your God with everything. You'll lean your whole life on him, you'll trust him completely. And the origin of all sin is not doing that. And He is so desperate to bring that about in your heart, that trust, that leaning of your whole life, that loving with everything you have, that He will take you through things as sons in order to bring that about in your life, in order to bring you into a place of joy. Our privilege as sons and daughters of the king is that we then having had that identity made sure get to join other sons and daughters in fulfilling all the promises of that are made over this vine The promise that the glory of the Lord would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. The promise that through this vine, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. The promise that God will one day pour out his spirit on all flesh. This is a mission for sons, and this is what we are caught up in. point ultimately, as Jesus explains in this passage, is that we would bring glory to the Father. By this, Jesus said, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. The goal of your life is to bring glory to your Father. And the way you do that is through bearing fruit. And the context of this passage, that is about reaching people who don't know Him. And listen, maybe my greatest prayer for us this year is that increasingly we would reach people who don't know Him, who don't know anything about this, who actually have no idea of the love that is available from their Father in heaven, who have got no idea of this new identity that is possible through being in Christ, who have no idea that actually the prison of sin can be broken out, and a new life is possible. And this is the way that Jesus says we glorify our Father. This happens through the fruit. This is how the Father gets the glory. And the, listen, the vine is tended for this purpose. God looks after you and he, and he shapes you and He tends you and He prunes you. Why? Because He wants you to be fruitful. He wants you, us to be to be the sort of people who will bring in a harvest in this amazing city of glasgow and so he moves us to an amazing tool that he gives us for this for this task he says this towards the end of this section If my words, sorry, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. What Jesus is saying is this, that power in prayer comes from intimacy. It comes from knowing who you are before the Father. It comes from knowing that you are loved. It comes from knowing that you are accepted and forgiven, and that your sins have been paid for, and that there's nothing can now separate you from the love of Christ. It comes from that intimate place, the power and prayer. Listen, my wife, has a great deal of influence over me. Mm -hmm. That is the truth. I mean, hard though it may be to believe, I used to dress worse than this. (laughs) Witness the power of influence (laughs) on a man's life. Before... I was married, I lived in a flat that essentially consisted of one colour in the spectrum, magnolia. As Lizzie once commented when she was in my flat before we were married, but it's, it's really just three shades of beige. But now, we have a plum chimney stack, we have mustard yellow tiles in the kitchen, and a a green, we have green paint, it's like a snooker table, (laughs) on the walls. We have a wallpaper in the hall of horses galloping. (laughs) feature wallpaper i mean what's that all about we have we have this one in the in in the in the bathroom called pet sounds and uh it's it's basically woodland creatures playing brass instruments (laughs) who would have thought that witness the power of influence She has a great deal of influence to me. Intimacy equals influence. Intimacy equals influence. The great, the great men and women of faith throughout history, you read their lives and you think, man, God acted mightily on their behalf. You know, he... You're God speaking to Moses, hold out your staff and I will split this sea in two. And you think, wow, the power. You know, Elijah, you know, you see if you can get your prophets. You so say, your God's to do anything. Nothing happens and he calls fire down <laughs> from heaven. And you think, wow, the power. And you think, how did they do it? Were they just, you know, freak examples? No, no, no. They were examples of intimacy. The, the Moses, the one who split the Red Sea in two, was called a friend of God. Elijah, who called the fire down from heaven, said, before the, a, this, this is what the God says before whom I stand. These were men of intimacy with the Father. They were men who knew their place before Him. Read some of their prayers. They're awesome. They're awesome. I tell you what, the early disciples knew that too. They knew that intimacy. They knew that assurance. And that is what made their prayers powerful. Listen... 2012, we're going to do a lot of praying. We'll get three weeks of 24-7 prayer. That is, I tell you what, these are the three most important weeks of our year. More will change in these three weeks than at any other time, I'm convinced. When we gather together and we pray, We pray from this place of intimacy, this place of assurance, as children of God, anything, anything is possible, and nothing will happen without it. It's an exciting prospect for the year. Fruit-bearing, Jesus assures us, is impossible without Him, but in Him, whatever we ask. We will have. What are you dreaming about for your city this year? Have you thought much about that? What you're dreaming about? What are you longing to see happen? What red seas (coughs) need to part in your life, or in the lives of those around you? What fire needs to fall? What does fire need to fall on? this year. This is what abiding in God means, that we have influence and authority in prayer. And ultimately, the result of all this abiding is joy. Excellent. That's a good thing. Um, <laughs> Joy, joy uh, again, it's, you know, it's a word that I don't often use. Happiness is really what it means. God wants to make you happy. It's a shock. God wants us to be happy people. Do you know why? Because happiness is better than sadness. It's true. Yeah, a profound statement. Laughter is better than weeping. Weeping has a purpose and a place But laughter is better. And joy is the result. uh, uh, Peter, the Apostle Peter, puts it like this in his letter. Though you have not seen him, that is Jesus, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. That's it's what we're about this year. Rejoicing with joy filled with glory. Joy is attractive to the world. People love it. And I tell you what, Christians in this country, maybe I can't speak for the rest of the world, but in this country often have a reputation for misery, and, uh, and for those of you who know me, uh, actually, I may as well admit, I can, on occasion, be somewhat melancholy of disposition. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I've got to snap out of it. I'm realizing that. I've got to snap out of this. Because we're called to joy. We're called to be happy people. We're called to live a life of joy inexpressible, filled with glory, because it will be attractive and compelling to the world. It's supposed to be the fruit of abiding in Jesus alongside all these other things. Where don't we stand and we'll pray. Jesus, I just want to thank you for this new year God. I want to thank you for this church. Lord, I want to thank you for the plans that you have for us and for the the plans that you have for this city. God, you are the great God of heaven and earth. Nothing is impossible for you. Teach us to be intimate with you, Father, this year, I pray. Teach us all individually and together intimacy with you, God, we do want to recognize that nothing in our lives will ever be more important or fundamental than abiding in you, Jesus. Teach us how to do that, I pray. Teach us how to abide in you. I just, um, I felt God speak to me just as I was preparing this, and uh, that story that I told of, of, of G- Jesus coming to Zacchaeus and, uh, and saying, today I'm going to come and stay with you. Today I'm going to come and abide with you. And, and I felt that there may be some here who actually, they, you know, you're, you're hearing that almost for the first time. That God's desire to come and abide with you, to come and stay with you, That your life would be in His. And, And, or maybe just for the first time in a long time, you feel like you've been away from God and you want to just come back to Him. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So, I'm going to be out here. We're going to close the meeting in a minute, but I'm going to be out here and I would love to pray with you if you're in either of these situations, that you just feel Jesus kind of, as it were, stopping at the place you're hiding in and saying, today I'm going to come and stay with you. Today I want you to abide with me. Why don't we just also, just um, as we close, I'd love for us just to pray briefly. Use our influence with the Father, use this place of intimacy that we have before the Father to pray for change in our city this year, whatever, that can mean all kinds of things, and whatever comes to your mind, just for 30 seconds, let's just blast it.